If you'd like to spend some time with real people with a real heart for God, we welcome you to visit us at Harvest Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Our Sunday morning services are held at 1030, and our Family Night Fellowship takes place on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Come experience God's awesome, life-changing power as we worship in His presence, fellowship with one another, commit to discipleship, and share God's love through evangelism. For more information or directions, visit HarvestNova.com. That's HarvestNova.com. Luke chapter 7, begin reading with verse 36. Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, so he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume, and as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he canceled the debts of both. Now which one of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The title of my message today is Elements of Worship. Elements of Worship. Many church-going Christians do not understand clearly the concept of worship, what worship is. They think it's singing slow songs or uh, going through some sort of ritual. But that's not worship. As a matter of fact, a large percentage of regularly church-going people say they have never experienced or seldom experienced the presence of God in a church gathering. I think that's sad. It should be true not only in the church gathering, but in our private time with the Lord that we can experience the presence of God. How many know we can experience the presence of the living God? And there is nothing like it on this earth. And the way we do that is through worship, through drawing near. Uh, we, uh, some have drawn a distinction between praise and worship. Praise course extols the goodness of God and some have said you can praise God from afar but you can only worship him as you draw near as you enter into his presence and the amazing thing is you know it's true in scripture in many places we uh, sometimes and I put myself in that category sometimes self-righteous Christians you know been tending church for decades it's amazing what we can learn from some sinful people in the Bible 
You know what I'm talking about? And, and so uh, I say that to say, to underscore that we can learn a lot of, about worship from this woman in this passage who had lived a simple, uh, a sinful life, I should say. We can learn a lot from her today. And what we see in her actions, and they're all in one verse, in verse 38, what we can see in her actions uh, teaches us a lot about the true meaning of worship. So this morning, for a few minutes, I want to answer the question, uh, what are some elements of true worship? What are some elements of true worship? The first one we see here is that true worship involves an attitude of brokenness. True worship involves an attitude of brokenness. This woman had heard that Christ was there and came to him. It says she stood behind him at his feet weeping. Either she was convicted of her sinful life or as some scholars suppose she had been forgiven by Christ on an earlier occasion and was now allowing her emotions to be expressed. She stood over his feet as he reclined, uh, no doubt as was the custom of the day, he reclined at the table, his sandals left at the door as was the custom. And she wept. She had a brokenness of spirit in the presence of the Lord. Psalm 51 verse 17, David in his repentant psalm said this, The sacrifices of God are a broken, and contra- a broken spirit, a broken uh, and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. The, word, the two words broken, there are two different Hebrew words. The first one, shabar in Hebrew, means to shiver, to break to pieces, or to reduce. So a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Uh, and the, the word uh, for broken there means to crumble, to beat to pieces, to bruise, to crush, or to humble. There's something about being in the presence of pure perfection. You see, some people say, I, you know, I, I don't know if I've experienced the presence of the Lord. Let me tell you, if you truly experience the presence of a holy, perfect, almighty God, you're going to know it. Amen? And, and there's, presence, uh, there's joy in the Lord's presence, yes, but at times there's also a brokenness. Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, you remember that? When he saw the Lord high and lifted up in the temple and the angels cried, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the scripture says that smoke filled the temple. And Isaiah was overcome uh, by the holiness and the majesty of God. And he said, Woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips and I come from a people of unclean lips. You know, jewelers to display jewelry, they don't put jewels on a light background, do they? The cloth or the background of jewelry is dark. It's black or dark blue or dark brown. Why? To show the contrast. And when we are in the presence of God, there is a dramatic contrast between pure perfection and between sinful man. And so this woman had a brokenness of spirit and her emotions bubble forth 
to the surface. You know, we're created to be emotional beings. Now that doesn't mean we should be controlled by emotions as I've shared with you before. And I want to be clear that expressing emotion, uh, you know, isn't in and of itself worship. You know, a woman wins a beauty pageant and she starts bawling. That's not worship, okay, <laughs> obviously. Uh, but emotions nevertheless play a part in who we are and in our interaction with God. Sometimes we have trouble worshiping and experiencing the presence of God because we've built up walls around us. We've let our hearts become hard, whether because uh, we've been hurt in the past or, you know, some people just take pride in, in, in showing little emotion and, 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 and being stoic, okay? And uh, they, they take a certain amount of pride and, and certainly we should be able to control our emotions in certain circumstances. But I tell you what, when we get in the presence of God, there should be a brokenness. There should be a, a, a softness of heart that we are in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. When's the last time your heart was broken over the things of God? I believe our hearts should break with the things that break the heart of God. And, and as I said, Isaiah was broken up over the sinfulness of himself and his people, and he was in the presence of a holy, perfect God. And this woman, she just began to weep because she knew her life had been sinful. And now she was in the presence of Almighty God. Worship involves a certain brokenness of spirit a certain sobriety, a certain realization that we are in the presence of God. And it's not just in the church sanctuary, as I said. It can be in our private prayer time. How many know God can visit us anywhere at any time? When's the last time, I'll ask again, you were in the presence of God and you just had a brokenness of spirit? Worship involves an attitude of brokenness. And I say to you, if, if you do a self-assessment today, whether you're here today or watching online, and you say, Pastor Tim, I, I hadn't really realized it, and perhaps it happened, happened gradually, but my heart has become hard in relation to the things of God. My heart has become hard. And even if I come to church or watch online, I, I go through the ritual, but, but it, there, there's, I, it, there's not a brokenness in my spirit when we enter his presence. If, if that's the case with you, I want to challenge you to pray the prayer that says, Lord, let the oil of your spirit come and soften my heart. Let my heart be tender toward you, tender toward the things of God. Let me be moved by your presence, moved by your word, moved by, by, by the, the, the work of your Holy Spirit in my life and in the church service and, and all around me. Let me be moved by your spirit. Let there be a brokenness in me. Worship involves an attitude of brokenness. Secondly, true worship requires a spirit of humility. A spirit of humility. Her act was this. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Now, there can be a couple interpretations of this. Certainly, as we said, she was weeping. But also, some scholars have uh, mentioned this in relation to him, her wetting his feet with her tears. In antiquity, people would often preserve their tears in a bottle 
based on the belief that God would reward them for the many tears they shed. Often, a person's tear bottle was buried with him in death. As a matter of fact, in Psalm 56, verse 8, David said to the Lord, Put my tears into your bottle. He was in prison with the Philistines and had no tear bottle, and so perhaps was asking God to store his tears and keep record of them. So perhaps this woman emptied her tear bottle on Jesus' feet. But now why was this an act of humility? Well, it says she wet his feet. To wash a guest's feet was the task of the lowest servant. You know this, in the household. They would walk on dusty roads and the servant, when guests would come, would wash the feet of of guests. Jesus uh, demonstrated this behavior in John uh, chapter 13 when he washed the disciples' feet. And then it says she wiped them, his feet, with her hair. Now, a woman in that culture would normally not unbind her hair in public and let it fall. Uh, And uh, she would only do that normally in the privacy of the bedroom with her husband. And uh, to unbind a a woman's long hair in public was considered uh, a, a scandalous act, an impure act. But she risked... Uh, being criticized, which she was later, because she was wiping Jesus' feet with her hair. She was worshiping. Can I tell you something? When you and I humble ourselves in the presence of God and worship Him, there will be people who won't understand. There will be people who think you're a little fanatical. Come on. There'll be people who, who, who won't, uh, you know, have a clue as to what it's all about. But you see, she didn't care. She chucked her pride at the door. And can I tell you something? Pride and worship are mutually exclusive. We can't be proud and worshiping. Why? Because worship is an act of humility. It's recognizing there's someone greater than ourselves. That r- removes all pride. And we all have a certain amount of pride, don't we? I notice I got no amens there. That's okay. We do. I have it. And sometimes our pride gets us into trouble, doesn't it? But let me tell you, when we are in the presence of Almighty God, there's no place for pride. We have nothing to be proud of. We have nothing to boast about. We have uh, nothing uh, to... uh, to commend ourselves to God because he is holy and we are imperfect, we are flawed, we are sinful and we uh, need to be humble in the Lord's presence. Pride and humility are like the positive and negative poles of a magnet. You ever put two magnets together? What happens? They They don't adhere to each other, do they? They repel each other. And that's what pride and humility are like. They are mutually exclusive. You know? I mean, you might meet somebody who says they're very proud of their humility, but that doesn't make much sense. Worship requires a spirit of humility. In Isaiah 57, 15, the Lord said, I live in a high and holy place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit. 
In 1 Peter 5, 5, Peter quotes Proverbs 3, 34 and says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. When we're in God's presence, nothing else should matter. As we sang a few minutes ago, all thrones and dominions, all powers and positions, all earthly accomplishments, Paul listed an, uh, a, a laundry list of his earthly accomplishments, and then he said, I consider it all as refuse, as dung, as trash, compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing we have apart from him that's worth any value. As the writer of that old hymn said, Nothing in my hands I bring, simply, Lord, to thy cross I cling. God sees through our pride and self-righteousness. Some of us display our pride in different ways. We refuse to submit to those in authority over us. And, and we just have that, that independent spirit, worship, True worship requires a spirit of humility. May we humble ourselves in God's presence. May we come before him recognizing that he is everything. We're nothing compared to him. Amen? True worship requires a spirit of humility. Thirdly, this morning, true worship reveals a heart of love. True worship reveals a heart of love. The scripture says she kissed his feet. And the Greek indicates that she fervently kissed his feet. There was nothing sexual about this, nothing impure about this. She was, uh, she was just pouring out her love. Uh, and, and as I said, washing the feet was a servant's task. There, there was nothing, you know, uh, romantic or nothing, uh, you know, particularly appealing about someone's feet. As a matter of fact, it was considered, uh, you know, something to be avoided if possible. And yet she kissed his feet. She gave his feet kisses as an act of worship. She was not being religious. She was expressing love. And that's what worship is. It's expressing love to Jesus. It's expressing the heartfelt uh, gratitude of our spirit for who he is and what he does. Worship is expressing love. I, I, I love this quote by, by the great Judson Cornwall. He said, unloving worship is worse than an uncaring stepmother, for love must become the heart of all worship. We don't worship him because we fear him as much as because we love him. Someone else said, worship is extreme submission and extravagant love. We say we love the Lord. Do we love him in worship? Do we love him in worship? Mark 12, 30 says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Someone said, we may serve what we fear, but we only worship whom we love. Have you told God lately how much you love him? If 
you told him lately how much you love him? We should tell God every day. I tell my wife every day that I love her. Whether she's heard it before or not. Because love not expressed is, uh, doesn't have that much value. If you told God you love him, there, uh, yes, we need, to, we need to live lives in accordance with that. But when it comes to worship, do, do you just tell God you love him? Lord, I love you. We love, the scripture says, because he first loved us. Amen. So worship, uh, it, it, uh, dis- it reveals a heart of love. Fourthly, this morning, true worship displays a mindset of generosity displays a mindset of generosity. Scripture says she poured perfume on his feet. She poured perfume on his feet. The earlier verse says she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. Now it was only expensive ointments, expensive perfume that was put in such expensive containers. And uh, uh, keep in mind that in that culture, in that day, uh, uh, an alabaster jar of expensive perfume was a treasure. Okay? It, it could have represented a savings account or a dowry or a prepaid funeral. Um, and it was customary for guests to be anointed. Jesus referenced that later in verse 46. But she did, and she poured this expensive perfume on his feet. Now, you can say, Pastor Tim, she already wet his feet with her tears, whether tears from her eyes or her jar of tears. She risked humiliation in unbinding her hair and wiping his feet with her hair. What more did she need to do? Did she really need to pour expensive perfume, a a treasure of perfume on his feet? No, she didn't need to do that. But she did it. Because worship displays a mindset of generosity. And that's how givers are. Givers don't give the minimum. People with a a mindset of generosity with a giver's heart, they don't give just enough to get by. Givers love to give. Come on, church. Givers love to give. Givers pour out uh, extra. They, they go above and beyond. They do more than what's necessary. They get a little ridiculous sometimes. They go over the top. Why? Because they love to give. Because they reflect the heart of God who loves to give. Amen? God so loved that he gave his one and only son. God is a giver. And people with a, a heart uh, to worship Almighty God, they display a mindset of generosity. They can never give too much. This what she did It was over the top. It was a bit bordered on ridiculous. It bordered on absurd. It was totally unnecessary, but it was her heart. She was pouring out her heart. She said, Lord Jesus, I want to give to you whatever I can give. I want to pour it all out. That's why we give, because we love. You all, Curtis, shared the announcement of uh, you're, you're giving to help us put, put us over the top of, for our special need. And we can't thank you enough, those of you who gave toward that. But I'll tell you something. We, the, the, the reason we ask 
for that. A little, little bit was for the roof, but mo most of it was for operating expenses. The reason we did is because as I shared when I asked you for that, when we introduced that at the end of June, was that our, our giving levels hadn't returned uh, to the pre-pandemic levels. And so um, I I'll just, it's in the back of my mind, I might as well tell you, I thank God because you're, you're, you're giving and helping meet this need has put us in a much better place. Um, but if giving le le regular giving levels don't, uh, if we don't all do our part and, and give our regular tithe and offering, guess what? Uh, the, the, the bank balance is going to dwindle and we could be in the same position, you know, several months from now. Pastor Tim, that's negative talk. No, it's just, it's just reality. And so um, my, my heart says, I know so many of you give regularly and, and give above and beyond, and I thank God for it. So I, 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 I just want to say that, that as part of an act of worship, we, we need to be givers. We need to hold on to the things of this world loosely. How many know God meets our needs? How many know, I know it's a cliche, but how many know you can't outgive God? Amen? Worshippers uh, display a mindset of generosity. And so, um, you, you know, when, when you love somebody, boy, you just, you just give, you know? One, one of the hard things with my wife recuperating now is she can't get out to the store and buy things for our grandchildren. Never mind the rest of us, but the grandchildren, you know, are... Of course, thank God for Amazon. She can do that. She's watching this morning, no doubt. Why? Because, you're, because you're, your heart's just full of love. Because you have a giver's mindset, a giver's heart, and you just give. Givers give. And, and, and you know, I've heard testimonies of people shared with me who, uh, you know, have been, had, uh, gone through tough financial times, and probably all of us here have at one time or another. But there's a secret to being faithful to God and giving Him what's His, and sometimes going over and above and doing the extra, as many of you have done these last several months. And I tell you what, God will bless you. And, and, and aside from the blessing that God brings back to you, it's just a blessing to give. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And we've all heard that scripture, right? But do we really believe it? Do we really believe it? Do we really live like that? Yeah, I'm thankful when I receive a blessing. And, 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 and you all have blessed, blessed my family and me. And I'm grateful for that. But Jesus said it's better to give. It's more of a blessing to give. True worshipers display a mindset of generosity. And it doesn't, it doesn't just end with... Uh, finances, it ends with our time and our talent and our uh, ability to be used of God, to be poured out for Him. Sometimes I want to ask the question, what are we saving ourselves for? What are we holding back for? If God's not worthy of us giving our all, then what is? Amen. In conclusion, this morning, there are two responses to this woman's act. First, the Pharisee. He criticized. He pointed out to Jesus her sinful past. And uh, he, he just made a big deal about, you really don't know who this woman is. And as I said before, there are people who won't understand. People who won't understand. Jesus, however, accepted her worship 
because he realized that she was grateful for the forgiveness she had received. He uh, was willing to receive her worship. Aren't you glad you don't have to have lived a perfect life for the Lord to accept your worship? Aren't you glad you don't have to be perfect to be able to worship him? None of us are perfect. God loves us so much. God accepts the worship of flawed, imperfect human beings because it's from the heart, because we love him. This morning, again, we asked, what are the elements of true worship? We said true worship involves an attitude of brokenness. Let's not have hard hearts, especially in the presence of the Lord. And as I said, if, if you feel like your hearts become hard and insensitive and, and rigid, pray for God to soften your heart with the oil of his spirit. True worship requires a spirit of humility. We can't bring our pride into the presence of the Lord. There's no place for pride. There's no being in all existence that has any room for pride in the presence of the eternal, sovereign, holy God. Amen? Spirit of humility. True worship reveals a heart of love. It's expression of love. Do you love him? When's the last time you told him, Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. Can we just, can we just take a moment right now, if it's, if, if it's from your heart, just say, Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. Oh, Lord, I just love you today. True worship reveals a heart of love, and true worship displays a mindset of generosity. Lord, all I have is yours. My money, my time, my talent, everything. Lord, it's yours. It's all yours. In John chapter 4, Jesus said that God is looking for true worshipers. So many times, so many times we've substituted things for true worship. God's looking for worshipers today.